This is Taboo Winslow Morris, sole owner and founder of Triumphant Athletic Agency and author. Let's play ball and win. Thank you for tuning into my podcast, Confronting Galalith, a genuine discussion with and for genuine folk. Today, our genuine discussion is about the impact of COVID-19 pandemic on consumer spending with, with respect to the sports memorabilia and collectible series in the United States industry. I have Les Wolf of Les Wolf Sports LLC as my guest today. Do you know that there are nine, close to 10,000 small business sports memorabilia and collectible stores in the United States of America. The industry employees, that industry employs a little lower than about 1,400 employees. The sports memorabilia and collectibles have expanded in popularity in the recent years, particularly as rare items are seen as an investment. However, consumers most commonly make purchases of industry products on a secondary online marketplace, such as eBay. Safuni away industry revenue. Online demand typically sets selling prices at industry establishments, pressuring industry profitability. Additionally, amid, amid the COVID-19 pandemic, a sharp decline in consumer spending pressured demand for the industry discretionary products. As a result, over the five years to 2021, industry revenue has declined and annualized at 2.5% to $1.1 billion, including growth of 2.1% in 2021 alone. And that was taken from the ibisworld.com website. On Forbes, Forbes said over 200 million collectors of various types of worldwide see we see one to three collectors either currently own or have previously owned at least one sports collectible. This means that overall market and trading cards and sports memorability could reach 67 million people. Bert Blanchersreport.com said that Babe Ruth's the the by I'm hoping I'm going to say this wrong say this right Bambino's jersey in 1920 is the oldest and known and known by the Yankee slugger it sold for a 4.4 million dollars the most ever for any item of sports memorabilia and that came from bleacherreport.com I think this is pretty interesting. I love sports memorabilia. I have a f- just a little few pieces. I'm not a collector. I'm one of those people that when I see something I and I want it, I get it. And I've actually had a few um, that I've purchased before and gave away for auctions as a donation. But I'm not one of those ones that you go into a room and you have a whole wall or you have 
tons of memorabilia that you've collected over the years. So I would like to welcome Les to Confronting Galala. Thank you for joining us today. Can you share how long you've been in the industry and what do you do exactly? Well, I started my business. I started collecting actually when I was six years old in 1959. Wow. And it's become, you know, as a collector, I couldn't afford it anymore. So I had to become a dealer in order to afford my addiction. <laughs> That's too funny. <laughs> so what I do is I buy, sell, collect, appraise. I'm an appraiser with the International Society of Appraisers. And uh, I do just about everything you could possibly do with it with memorabilia. And, wow. and I and I actually ab absolutely positively love it. <laughs> okay, very good. Is memorabilia a good investment? You know, I didn't start out collecting it as as an investment. I just collected because I enjoyed it. But some of the stuff has has gone up at astronomical numbers. So. I would say yes, it is a, a very good investment. Well, whoever owns that $4.4 million um, um, Bay Ruth jersey, I would say that would be a part of their, their investment portfolio. <laughs> what do you think? Well, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Good Lord. How can you tell a fake or if something is, is um, fake or if it's real? How, do, how would you know if you walked into a place well, first off, you have to have experience seeing, you know, the good and the bad. And I, as, as an autograph collector and a dealer, you know, a lot of the guys I've gotten myself in person. And if I'm not sure, I have reputable companies that I go to to authenticate, like JSA, Jimmy Spence Authentication. Okay. And what does that, does that matter to, you know, say, does that matter to a sports collector or somebody like myself that don't really purchase that many items i mean why is that important because of the widespread um forgeries in the business these companies jsa psa and beckett were established to help to certify the authentic authenticity of memorabilia and mainly to help to ease the average person i mean they do make mistakes because it is only their opinion but by and by and large they basically help the average person and most people won't buy anything unless they see it authenticated by one of those three companies now okay now what are the best items to collect i mean is there a best item well you know what i basically tell people collect what you like this way you can always enjoy what you're doing um if you're collecting mainly for for investment i always tell people collect you know, the vintage, the older stuff, the Babe Ruth's, the Lou Gehrig's, the John L. Sullivan's, the Muhammad Ali's, um, Bobby Jones for golf, uh, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, all the older vintage stuff. You can never go wrong with that stuff. Hmm. Wow. Okay. And like, I mean, what, is there any particular like item that you would you would know off the back that wouldn't be like legitimate like say say some you want something from a boxer like muhammad ali but his signature is on a bat so it would is there any like red flags you should you know not be suckered into no not necessarily okay very good hmm, i didn't know that okay you know, How 
a lot uh-huh. of the, a lot of these athletes sign various different things, so that shouldn't be a, that shouldn't be a red flag. Okay. Hmm. Well, what is the what is the most unique item have you personally have sold or have seen or had somebody come in oh, and ask wow. you to authenticate? Actually, the funniest thing and most interesting is a few years ago for a boxing promoter, I sold the jock strap that Joe Frazier wore when he knocked out Muhammad Ali in the in the fight of the century at Madison Square Garden. Wow, and that's that, that's interesting. Who would want a jockey strap? <laughs> Well, apparently, apparently uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not wanted it. So that's wow. Right. That's pretty awesome. So, I mean, tell me how a, a, a normal day of yours looks. I mean, you 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 have like the greatest job ever. Uh, yes and no. Um, well, I, I'm basically posting items on social media. I, I, you could, anybody, everybody, can, if they want, they could follow me on Instagram at Les Wolf Sports. And what I do every day is I'll post a picture of something that happened in the sports history with a signed item of that athlete. Hmm. Okay. So like for tomorrow, it's going to be all about Mickey Mantle because he, he was the first athlete to sign a $100,000 contract. Okay. So there's a picture of Mickey Mantle that's autographed. Uh, what did I have? Let me, let me just look at my own phone and I can tell you some of the things I post. I mean, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Because it keeps me revel, re, re, you know, you know, up to date with people, and it keeps people like to see these things. And I have over 1,200 followers on it. I know that's not much, but I, but I've only been doing it uh, since the pandemic. Okay, so you started up during the pandemic. I was getting that was going to be my next question. How how did the pandemic help you or hurt you, especially as a startup? Well, I'm not a startup, you know, just okay. on social media I was. Okay, okay. Like, uh, like on the 25th, uh, which was yesterday, I posted, Muhammad Ali Cassius Clay wins his first world heavyweight boxing title when Sonny Liston fails to come out for round seven at Convention Center, Miami Beach. And in that, in the little uh, Instagram I wrote, was Muhammad Ali the greatest fighter of all time? I think so. What do you think? And okay. it's a great investment, the litho. So what I what's happened because of the pandemic is that more and more people are now more aware that the memorabilia business is for real, and it, it's there's a there is money to be made in it. Hmm. What are the items that are your sweet spot? What what do you sell the most, or what do you have the most of? Well, Muhammad and I, Muhammad Ali and I may he rest in peace were friends. <laughs> so I would, I would actually trade him certain things, like he he liked Sugar Ray Robinson, so I give him some Sugar Ray Robinson autographs, and he'd sign some pictures for me. Okay. So, so I've got I've got an extensive Muhammad Ali collection. I idolized him and Mickey Mantle and Joe and Joe Namath, so I've got an extensive Namath and Mickey Mantle collections. So those are my sweet spots, and and anybody that's new to collecting. I tell them set their budget up, but try to always get the vintage autographs. Okay. The old guys. Okay. Now, how would somebody that is starting a wanted to get into this industry? What are some other little um, tips you would like to give them? Some something that a, a Galalif that you had to get over 
um, either from going going virtual during a pandemic or maybe something that start that you had to endure before the pandemic when you were when you started your business. What you know? What problems I had before? Yes, you- yes, sir. That you had to you you had to confront in order to become successful. Basically, it's just like any other business. In order to be really successful, you got to be self-motivated, and you have to, you know, work it day in, day out, and just live and, and breathe it, and not just um, not just for a few hours. You have to be on top of it. So, because I'm on all those uh, mediums for social media, I have to be able to reply as soon as I can to people because people, you know, most people don't have a long attention span. So they want to be, they want to get a response pretty quickly. I'd agree to that. I'd agree to that. But nowadays, so many people have multiple gigs just to make it day in and day out. I, I understand that people are a little bit more understanding, just a tad bit. Now, have did you have to have a huge cash um, influx in order to start your business? Or is this something that if, say, a high school student um, wanted to start a business like this, they could just take a couple hundred dollars and get started? Or do you really need to have, like, maybe... $10,000 to start your, or $20,000, or maybe $100,000 to start off? Um, what I tell people is I tell people, collect what you, you know, start collecting, you know, set a budget up and collect what you like. Okay. And go from there. I mean, I started out just, you know, using my paying bus and train fare, just meeting the athletes at, at hotels or dinners or events. Or the stadium, and that's how I got started. Okay. Nowadays, because of the pandemic, it's a lot harder to do that with athletes. And you know, you have to go to the stadium and hope that they'll come over to you. And but you never know. But you know, it's become a lot more difficult. Like I said, because of the pandemic. But I would also, you know, set a, a, a steady budget of what you what you want to spend and what you have, and go from there. Okay. There are there any items that you have that you absolutely will never part from? Well, some pictures of me with 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 Muhammad Ali, with Mickey Mantle, with Joe Namath. That kind of stuff is personal. And that's kind of stuff I would never be interested in selling. Okay. All right. Do do you now do you um when you contact your athletes and how hard is that for outside of the pandemic? How hard was that for you to do that? Did you just show up at a, did you buy sports game um, tickets and just lined up after the game and said, hey man, can you sign this? Or did you have to make an appointment to, to, be, um, to be at the game for them to sign? Well, when I, when I was doing it as a kid, you know, I just brought brought stuff, and before the game, I hope that they came over to sign for me. Okay, okay, but as in, a, by the time you were a doll, I guess they knew you, huh? Well, a lot of them do. I'm friends with, you know, with Dusty Baker still, and, and a few other athletes that I get in contact with every now and then. Okay, well, very good. Now, how long have you actually have owned and have had your business um, open? Basically, since I was a kid, 
I mean, I grew up in the projects in Queens and it's basically what got me out of the projects was just earning enough money from uh, befriended Muhammad Ali and Mickey Mantle and, all, and Dusty Baker and all these athletes in different sports. And, you know, all, all I basically did was to tell you the truth is I would find unique photos of the athletes that they couldn't buy anywhere. And I usually, let's say Reggie Jackson would be in town. I say, hey, Reggie, you come over and I say, here's some pictures. Here's some pictures for you. Um, you can keep these, can you sign the rest? And he'd say, sure. Because believe it or not, a lot of these a lot of these athletes don't have certain pictures or access to it. Like wire photos, you know, photos, pictures that come from the newspaper when uh, when there's an event and they take a picture of uh, Mickey Mantle hitting a 500th home run or somebody, you know, uh, making a, an amazing catch or a great dunk. Those athletes just love those pictures. Well, I would understand. I would want those pictures myself. <laughs> I would want them if I was an athlete. That makes sense. I, mean, I went to a dinner what, a couple of years ago before the pandemic, a boxing writer's dinner. And Sugar Ray Leonard happened to be there. Wow! And I had I had a, I had about ten wire photos that I bought, and some were pretty unique. And Sugar didn't want to sign them until I said, "Do you want any of these?" He said, "Sure." And that's when his eyes lit up, and he took a few of my better ones, but <laughs> he signed he signed them for me. So that so you know it's kind of a, an icebreaker. Okay. I mean, I went to the game a few years ago with my kids, and. Um, Mark McGuire was a, was a batting coach, I think with San Diego. And some guy had a mini helmet signed by uh, Roger Staubach, who played for the Cowboys. And he's a uh, football Hall of Famer. And as soon as uh, McGuire saw that, he came over and signed for a bunch of us. And the guy gave him the mini helmet. So, Aww. you know, it's just like anything else. You know, you treat people the way you hope to be treated. And you give them stuff and you hope they'll, you know, they'll give you back. Wow. Well, that is really good. Um, that's good knowledge to have. If you could tell your six-year-old self the one thing you've enjoyed the most in this journey, what would it be? I thought you were going to ask me something else. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask me what would I tell my self to buy? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can tell me that, too. You can share that. Okay. If I, I wish that I would have you know, bought more Babe Ruth autographs, but the main thing, I wish I would have bought a 1952 Mickey Mantle rookie card hmm. because a mint one of that goes for millions of dollars. And, and I could have bought it for $100 when wow. I was a teenager. Wow. Huh. So what would you tell your six-year-old self about your journey? <laughs> My six-year-old self? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but it's also a lot of fun. You know, okay. and... And it, it makes you always feel like a kid. I mean, okay. That's probably the best thing I would say. Okay. Wow. Okay. I like that. Well, I thank you, Les, for coming on to my podcast today and answering a few questions and helping us to understand the industry a little bit better. Can you tell my listeners how they can get in contact with you? And I know that you're out of New York. So how would, outside of the website, um, how can they contact you if, if they have an, a, an event somewhere and they want some Muhammad Ali items, how can they contact you? What they could do is they could email me LWOLFF1823 at AOL or they could uh, call me 
but nowadays it's kind of taboo to <laughs> polio anymore. I mean, basically everybody just, you know, it's, it's a very different world now because everybody mm -hmm. just wants to um, email or text. Uh, what they could do is email me, L-W-O-L-F-F, -F, 1823 at AOL. And that's, usually you can get a hold of me that way. I'm pretty, pretty up, pretty quick to respond. Well, I thank you, Les, for coming on. And I'm hoping that my listeners will bombard you and your sales will go up because of this. Listeners I appreciate it. But, you know, if anything, there's another thing that could go to my website for that most people, novice collectors and even, even old-time collectors don't do, is they don't protect their stuff. And the, during the, during the uh, Hurricane Sandy here in New York, I, do, I, I copy wrote and wrote and I do a lectures on and I've done it in libraries anywhere anywhere anybody wants to, to, to listen to me where I teach people the proper way to collect invest protect and preserve their memorabilia hmm. because putting stuff on walls putting stuff in a basement leads to damage whether it's your memorabilia or it could be your, your family heirlooms paintings photos you don't want to lose that stuff and that i, I find all, some of the most interesting stories i've gotten from people that i've met in my lectures hmm. well can you give us one tip since you you did that can you give us one tip on how to preserve like a picture a photo if you have it framed Make sure you have the proper temperature, 68 to 70 degrees. Make sure you don't have it in direct sunlight. Make sure the lighting is LED, not uh, fluorescent lights. And and just take care of it. You know, I mean, I went into a collection about, about, about a month ago. It was a referral. And unfortunately, the, father, the, the main collector passed away. The wife had just passed away. They were in a hundred-year-old house, <laughs> and and the two the, the two deceased the, the husband and wife were huge smokers. Hmm. So everything in that collection was was full of smoke. There were autographed uh, uh, plates, you know, plates that you eat on, but had beautiful uh, paintings on them. And the most plates have a white back backing. These plates were all brown. So hmm. I had to literally take a wipe and for, for about, it took me about two hours to clean up like 17 plates, just the back, not hmm. affecting the front, just to get the brown off, the tar and the nicotine. So, you, you know, if you have something valuable, you want to protect it, and but you want to do it, you want to do it properly. And anybody has any questions or needs me to do a house call to check out everything, also you got to watch out for pipes. There's a combination that you wouldn't believe some of the stories in some of these situations that I've been involved in trying to help people to properly protect and preserve their memorabilia. Hmm. Wow. That's interesting. I, I can I can attest to the um, to having the issue with the lighting because I have one piece that I have a signature on and because of the lighting it's actually faded. And um, I, I would have never thought about that. So I, I, I can attest to that. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, no problem. I find the, the hardest thing is, is to actually properly protect it. Like if you, have, if you have a ton of stuff in your basement and you don't have it in the proper tubs and basements where the most floods are or pipe breakings, you, you're shit out of luck, basically. <laughs> well, that's the truth. <laughs> Yeah, that's the truth. 
Well, thank you again. Thank you, Les, for coming on to my podcast today and for that little for those tips at the end. Thank you. Listen. Oh, oh thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Yes, sir. And listen. always just keep on listening to Taboo because you know what? She's not taboo to listen to. <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Listeners become a listener supporter. Tune in the next time to listen to a genuine discussion with and for genuine folk. Let's play ball and win. This is Taboo Winslow Morris, sole owner and founder of Triumphant Athletic Agency and author. Have a great day. You too. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.